When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a Thursday edition of the Orange and Brown podcast. I am Dan Lobby and joined as usual today by Mary Kay Cabot. Mary Kay, how are you? I'm doing great. We had a nice Zoom call with Jarvis today, so that was something a little bit different and kind of fun. Yes, and also joined by Scott Patsko, as usual. Scott, how are you? Doing good. Ready to go. All right. So, Mary Kay, you mentioned it. We got to hear from Jarvis Landry today as the Browns have started to roll out some players for us uh, to talk to. This, of course, would be uh, the first week of OTAs, so it makes sense that we're hearing from players, and Jarvis of course, always one of those players you're going to hear from, one of the, the most media-friendly players, uh, a guy that's always great to talk to, and, and he was good today. But let's start here. Why, why don't you kind of just give us an update on where Jarvis is in, in his rehab? Well, he said he is at least a little bit ahead of schedule, which I think that's great. Uh, he said, however, that it's important to him to be fully healthy and ready for the season, so he's not going to rush it. Uh, he still believes that he'll be back on the field sometime in August, which is about what he had hoped and expected. Now, uh, because of going through the rehab, he's not participating in Camp Mayfield right now, uh, which is taking place down in Austin, but he has been on the Zoom calls. He's very impressed with Ke- Kevin Stefanski. And then the other thing that kind of stood out about that is that he, uh, he is being very motivated by Odell Beckham Jr. in his rehab from his surgery. So they're kind of pushing each other, they're FaceTiming, they're staying in touch, and they're getting ready for this season. Yeah, Scott, uh, obviously Odell rehabbing as well. The two best friends, the two top receivers on the team uh, rehabbing as well. Um, that, that August recovery, it's what he said back at the end of the season. Uh, so there's no other way to look at it. I mean, this is at least good news based on what we know now. Yeah, and it's it's good to know that they're both recovering and they're not, I think Jarvis talked about possibly like toughing it out for another year. I mean, that <laughs> you don't want to go into this year with a new coach and so much riding on turning things around with two receivers, two top receivers trying to tough it out in another year before before getting work done. So it's good that they've gotten this done and, and we are where we are right now. And, you know, and there's still time and there's plenty of time to recover. And so I think this is a good place for them. Yeah, and uh, look, I mean, if anybody would, would have tried to tough it out, it's, it's probably Jarvis Landry. <laughs> you know, I mean, this guy, this is the guy that gave the hard knock speech. He hasn't missed a game in his career. Um, you know, if anybody, I mean, he might have played 10 years with this injury if, if that's what it took. So, you know, from that perspective, Mary Kay, you know, look, this was a wounded wide receiver core last year, and, and we're going to really get to the topic of this podcast here momentarily. But uh, to have Jarvis fully healthy, we know what he means to this team off the field, but on the field, you know, it's just so important to have him out there and, and able to go 
Yeah, those guys could not practice much during the season. And I do think that hurt matters when they got out on, onto the field on Sundays. There were a lot of factors that uh, played into the offense and those guys not really necessarily living up to their potential with Baker Mayfield. But not being able to practice with him much during the week uh, was really detrimental to the whole process. And we would go out there, you guys, we'd go out there and watch practice and see those two standing around a lot. And uh, that's just not what you want. So now uh, they are both working so hard. They look so good in their rehab. I mean, to see what they've been able to accomplish in this short period of time since they both had their surgeries, it seems remarkable to me to be able to go through core muscle surgery for Odell, hip surgery for Jarvis, and uh, to be where they're at in terms of just lifting weights and just you know going out for passes and, and doing some of the different things that we've been seeing them do on the BOSU ball and all that kind of stuff. Uh, they're athletes, and you can tell by looking at them. I mean, they are, uh, this is what a professional athlete looks like rehabbing and it's playing out before our very eyes you know I mean 10 years ago we didn't see these guys go through their rehab process now we see it all we you know we see that you know some of the pain we see, see then some of the gain and it's kind of cool to be able to watch it. Yeah, Scott you and I last year during camp oh go ahead you were going to say something. I was going to say it's, it's even with even with Jarvis's issues like it's, you could he had a better season than he had the year before I mean numbers wise again he makes the Pro Bowl so even despite all that, despite, you know, again, I, I don't know if you met training camp or during the season, but I know in training camp, we also saw him on, you know, watching a lot. Despite all that, he still came out and had, you know, pretty much at least at the, at the worst case scenario, a repeat of the year before, which, which was impressive. Yeah, I was, I was going to say, Scott, when you mentioned training camp, you know, you and I would divide up uh, offensive observation posts and defensive observation posts. And I know there were a lot of days we'd walk out there and you'd see that those two guys weren't practicing and it would be a day where you had the offense assigned to you and just be, oh, gosh, now what am, what am I going to write about today? I want to write about one of those two guys. Uh, all Blake right. Jackson and uh, DJ Montgomery and Ishmael Hyman, that's who we wrote about. <laughs> there is a 20-minute uh, a interview that I did with Blake Jackson that never saw the light of day because he uh, <laughs> went on injured reserve or got waived or something like two days later. Uh, okay, Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham. We're going to talk about those two specifically today and what to expect from them in 2020. So, Scott, you mentioned the numbers. Uh, Jarvis Landry last year, 138 targets, 83 catches, 1,174 yards, six touchdowns. Uh, for Odell Beckham, 15 games, uh, 133 targets, 74 catches, 1,035 yards, four touchdowns. When we start there, it's sort of an interesting comparison because, like you mentioned, Scott, Jarvis Landry had one of his best seasons, really, from, from a yardage standpoint, from a, a, you know, the whatever you want to call it, distance standpoint, yards per catch, something like that. Uh, Odell Beckham actually kind of had to grind to get to that 1,000 yards and had one of his worst seasons statistically. So – um, just, just looking back at last season, Scott and Mary Kay, I'll ask both of you, we'll start with you, Scott. What, what will you kind of remember from those two on Sundays and, and kind of what you saw from them? I mean, with Odell, it was just a constant, constant storyline of are the Browns doing enough to get him the ball? And is he getting the ball enough? Is he getting it enough in places where he can make plays with it? That never seemed to go away, even though he ended up well, Jarvis and Odell both top 10 in targets in the league. So the, the, the passes were there. It's just what, you know, what he was doing with it um, and how often they, they connected. So that was there with, with Jarvis, you know, we, we remembered the games where he, at the beginning of the season, I think both Odell and Jarvis mentioned, you know, you know, 
you know, one week, you know, he could have a big game and that's fine. The next week I can have a big game. Well, it was pretty much that week Jarvis had a big game and Odell's big game never really showed up. So I think, like I said, Jarvis pretty much, you know, stayed level with what he did his first year with the Browns and Odell, Odell was a lot like his season was a lot like his injury season in New York um, performance wise. You know, he had a lot of drops last year. It was the second most. And he struggled to get uh, just over a thousand yards. Um, and we're saying he struggled to get over a thousand yards, but again, it's Odell Beckham Jr. And he kind of sets the bar a little higher, you know? So, I mean, what I remember is, is just the constant Odell's not doing good enough. And Jarvis is probably where he's supposed to be. Mary Kay, same question to you. You know what? My takeaway from Odell, even though he did get over that 1,000-yard hump, I just – my takeaway was just seeing him open so many times or seeing him frustrated that he didn't get the ball and just wondering why they weren't making that connection. Seeing uh, Baker and Odell just being so off on some of the, the throws and not really knowing, you know, whose fault that was. So uh, that's what I hope that they can – clear up this year. I hope those two guys can get on the same page. It's not going to be easy because obviously they're not together again. Uh, and hopefully they can get what they need to get in the time that they'll have together during training camp. Uh, but Odell always says it needs to be in game. We've got to get the in game chemistry down. So hopefully those guys can get it down. And it's going to be a matter of, uh, once again, this is a Precision is a very precise rhythm timing offense. So he's going to have to be very, very, very precise in his routes. And Baker is either, maybe they can each give a little bit. You know what I mean? Maybe Odell can try to be a little bit more precise with the timing and the rhythm, even though, you know, he draws double teams. So he's going to do whatever he can do to get open. And you can't really fault him for that. Uh, Baker, on the other hand, likes to have the guy be exactly where he's supposed to be when he needs him to be there. Maybe he uh, can kind of give Odell a little bit of an opportunity to do what he needs to do to get open and still get him the ball, even if it's not exactly perfectly the way that it was drawn up or practiced. Somehow, those guys need to be more productive together. I, it'll be good for everyone. I mean, how many like really spectacular plays do you remember Odell making last season? And he's capable of, my goodness, I mean, we've seen, we see it in practice. You know, we saw it occasionally, you know, in training camp when he was able to practice. He's capable of just making the most spectacular plays. And I think that Browns fans and the Browns need to see more of that. Yeah, you know, my, my lasting kind of, of image or lasting memory is, you remember that game in, in uh, New Jersey against the Jets, he catches that pass and obviously he had the great catch uh, before they, they made him leave the field to fix his visor, but there was that catch and run he had that really blew the game open. Um, and it was just one of those moments where you thought, okay, this is it. This is the start of something. That Titans game is behind them. They're blowing out the jets. Baker and Odell have hit on some big plays. This is where it all starts. And it just never took off. Now I think that precision thing you mentioned is interesting when we talk about these two receivers, because you know, Odell is a little bit of a freelancer. And Jarvis, I've always kind of looked at him. He plays, he plays wide receiver a little bit like a running back anyway. And he's very precise. He's very – he's where he needs to be. And I feel that's, that's partially why him and Baker have sort of hit it off and why you see those numbers look so good. It's why Baker hit it off so well with Rashard Higgins, right? 
he's a guy that likes his receivers to be where they're supposed to be. He goes through his reads and, and kind of plays point guard a little bit. So um, that's, <laughs> that, that, that's kind of what he needs to work on with Odell. And like you said, Mary Kay, there's got to be some give and take. Uh, but it's not surprising to me that Jarvis and Baker kind of hit the ground running pretty quickly just because of the way Jarvis plays. Yeah, you know what? I mean, it started back in, remember in, uh, in training camp when, when Baker screamed yeah. at Odell uh, for not coming to, back to the ball on a, on a side adjustment, I think it was. And, uh, and that sort of carried over into the season. It was just a situation where I don't think that Baker necessarily had a huge, huge comfort level or trust that Odell was always going to be where he expected him to be. And so I think Baker has to develop that in him. I think he has to be really willing uh, to take that split millisecond and, and get him the, the football. And I know there was more of a concerted effort to do that in the second half of the season or down the stretch. Uh, but those guys need to have that. They need to have that right from the beginning and they need to do whatever they can to get it. Now, once again, Odell is not at camp Mayfield because he's rehabbing still from the core muscle surgery. So, Hopefully for those two guys, they'll have all the time they need in training camp or whenever this team can get back together. Yeah, I remember that Jets game and that touchdown, and that, that just seemed like such fool's gold looking back on it because he was, it was a blown coverage, basically, by the Jets. He was standing there wide open, and, and uh, the linebacker never got over there, and, and you know, he gets the ball and he's gone. And we, well, we, didn't, we didn't see those plays that we saw him make so many times with the Giants where he would catch a short slant. And then he's weaving his way in traffic and down the field. And, you know, we didn't really get a taste of that. What we got, I think, a lot was the feeling that they were trying to force it to him, especially in a lot of those deep passes. Mm -hmm. um, maybe that, that's the kind of thing that led to him having, I think it was the lowest catch percentage of his career. It was like 56%, something like that. Um, so, yeah, maybe this year there's more of an idea where, or more of a, a feeling that, he's within the flow of the offense and it isn't like, all right, we got to target Odell and get him going. Cause I think even Freddie came out and said a couple of times that, you know, he wants to get people some touches to kind of get them going early. Um, we'll have to see if Stefanski has the same kind of idea, but it seemed kind of forced last year. And it is something, you know, again, that this kind of ties into Jarvis too. If, if you go back to when this team finished five and three, right. Jarvis was struggling a little bit early in that year and it did take a little time. But I thought one of the things that Freddie Kitchens did well when he took over was they're just going to run some things for Jarvis early on. And this is what he really didn't do very well last year for whatever reason. But we're going to run some things for Jarvis early on. We're going to call a weird reverse or, or we're going to, uh, you know, just give Jarvis something short, get him involved in the game. And it, it just changes the way he approaches the whole game. And, and we remember last year there were times when, you know, Jarvis would get involved early and then he'd disappear for a little while. And then afterwards, we'd hear him kind of subtly complain about not getting the football. Um, it, it is important as a play caller, whether it's going to be Stefanski or Alex Van Pelt, to make sure that you are doing little things to at least give Odell a touch early, give Jarvis a touch early. It's like a basketball player. Just get the ball in that guy's hands early. Even if it's not the greatest play in the world, just get the ball in that guy's hands early. Let him feel the football. Let him get hit. And, and it just engages them more and more, especially, I, I especially think so with Jarvis when he's involved early, it, it changes his entire game. Yeah. You know what? I agree with you 100% on that. I think it is so important. I mean, Freddie kept hammering home the team concept, the team concept. We don't care who gets touches. We don't care who gets targets. We don't care who gets this. We don't care who gets that. 
Well, that's why you have uh, receivers, you know, cussing you out in the uh, in the fourth quarter of the football game because they want to help you win the game and they're not giving an op- getting an opportunity. I do think there is something to be said for feeding your stars and letting them try to win the game for you and making them happy and keeping them fed. I just think that you have to do that uh, because they shine in those moments. I mean, they rise to the occasion. They want to be great. I mean, you've got Odell Beckham Jr., you know, wanting to, you know, finish his career with more yards than Jerry Rice. I mean, like, you know, these are people that have really lofty goals. And, you know, it's like LeBron or something. I mean, like, you don't worry about, oh, yeah, let's just, you know, spread the ball. No, no, you have stars and you have to let them shine. And uh, one thing that I think that is important is that Kevin Stefanski sat down with Odell Beckham Jr. He showed film. He got out film and he's, he showed him, he reminded him, Here's, here are some things that you did with the Giants. Here are some things I did with my receivers last year. Here's what we think you're capable of. He got him excited and he knows he has to do that. Now he's got to follow through and help get him the ball in the game. Do, do we think that can happen though with Stefanski's offense? Um, you know, Stefan Diggs led the Vikings last year with 91 targets and both Jarvis and, and Odell had over a hundred. Odell's only had under a hundred like once in his career was when he was hurt and he played four games. Uh, so it's going to be a different, a different animal this year. I think, you know, you can get them their touches, but I don't It's not going to be, I would be shocked if Odell has comes close to like the 1300 double digit touchdown seasons he had the first few years of his career or Jarvis, you know, um, it might be it might be the ninety catch or the ninety target, you know, seventy catch season. Is that good enough for for them? Is you know, if you're winning but you're not hitting those benchmarks that you were used to earlier in your career, you know, how do they react to that? That's something I guess we all have to wait and see. And and that the Minnesota experience is, is worth bringing up because obviously, where is Stefan Diggs now? He's he's not in Minnesota. Uh, he, there were there were times last year when he was not happy, and. Uh, you know, they managed their way through that. That's probably good experience for Kevin Stefanski going into this. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's something to monitor because we've talked over and over again about this offense and how it is different than what we've seen. This is an 11 personnel. There's going to be tight ends. You've got two running backs who are really good. You know, one of the best running back one-two punches in the NFL. Uh, you've, you've just signed a tight end of big money. Uh, you, you've got a fullback on the roster that you traded for. So we know what this offense is going to look like, and maybe it's not super conducive to getting these guys, you know, the most targets in the league. I do think there's a way to keep them happy, though. And with Jarvis, I think if you're winning, I think that helps, um, especially if he's touching the ball and winning. Um, but I, I think there's a way that you can do it. But, you know, that's Kevin Stefanski's job and Alex Van Pelt's job is, is to keep them happy, you know, while they're trying to sort of run this offense they want to run. Well, you want to have meaningful targets too. So if they don't get as many targets as they have in the past, uh, you want to make sure they're quality targets and that they're catching the ball. And as you mentioned, Scott, that, uh, you know, that Odell's catch percentage is way up from, from last year. So maybe the targets will be down, but maybe the catches will still be up. Maybe the, that percentage will be higher. That is what you hope for there. And I fully anticipate that will absolutely be the case. But I also think that if you're going to keep Jarvis and you're going to keep Odell on your football team you are keeping two guys that you know what they want you know their personalities you know how how they are you're not going to change them at this point so if you're going to keep them on the football team this is the choice the Browns made 
then you really better try to keep them happy. Or, you know, it's like happy wife, happy life. <laughs> I can attest to that. Um, it's it's kind of like that with, with Jarvis and Odell. They are so vocal and they are, you know, such a presence in the locker room and on the field and on the sidelines. And they have, they are, they are such, you know, they're larger than life in many cases. And if you are not prepared and willing uh, to, to keep them fed and keep them happy during a football game, then you're going to end up paying the consequences of that. And uh, if you didn't want to do that, then you should have gone in another direction because you know what you're getting, you know what you're coaching, and there's only so much that you can do to make them try to, you know, sort of fit into the team concept where it doesn't matter to them what their stats are going to be. Yeah, you have almost $30 million tied up in, in both of them. So, uh, you know, you're at some point a decision is going to have to get made there. But yeah, if you have $30 million tied up in two guys, they, they should probably be getting the football uh, a fair amount. Yeah, I think we're going to find out how much uh, Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski really value receivers this year or actually after the season because, you know, the Browns can get out of both of those contracts uh, without much damage to their cap. So, um, yeah, I mean, if again, if, if you're getting a guy who's producing at a level where you think there's a ton of other guys who can do that, maybe you don't pay him, you know, Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry money to do it. Yeah, and, and the other thing in all of this, too, is some of it is going to depend on how Baker Mayfield bounces back from, from the year that he had last year. Because we can talk all we want about those guys and what they're doing, uh, but, you know, the ball's got to be coming in right. The ball's got to be in the right place. He's got to be accurate. You know, he, you know, somehow he just wasn't accurate last year, which is very surprising because – that was his hallmark in 2018 was that accuracy. But I think he will be accurate in this offense. It's all supposed to function so much better. Uh, but some of what they do, obviously, is going to depend on the season he has. Okay, we're going to take a break. I'm going to tell everybody about Football Insider, and then we'll come back and wrap up our Thursday pod. So have you signed up for Football Insider yet? I tell you about it every single day. Why haven't you given it a shot? Let me tell you real quickly again what it is. Uh, Mary Kay, me, Scott, Ellis, we will text about the Browns throughout the day. Uh, analysis, what we're hearing, uh, some nuggets we get from an interview for a story we're working on. We text you throughout the day about the Cleveland Browns. And the really cool part is you can text us back. So you text us back and we're able to text directly with you. It's not a Twitter reply. It's nothing like that. It's a text that comes directly to you. It's a great way to interact and talk Browns with every single one of us. You also get a newsletter every morning texted to you. It's for insiders only. It features a take, a breakdown. I've been going through the schedule recently. Uh, you want to get that. It only shows up for our insiders. If it ever shows up on the site, it shows up way down the road. You're the first one to get it. But for the most part, these are all exclusive to our Football Insider subscribers. So if you want to check it out, you can do that with a 14-day free trial that you can cancel with one text. I don't think you're going to want to. The people who have signed up recently, we've seen it grow, uh, really seem to love what we're doing. After the trial, it's $3.99 a month. Uh, so here's what you need to do. Go to cleveland.com slash browns. There's a box on the right side of the page. Click there, and that's how you can sign up. Or 
even easier if you want to start that free trial right now while you're listening. It's 216-208-3965. You have to text that number. So to start that 14-day free trial, one more time, text 216-208-3965. Now back to the show. And back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, our Thursday edition. Uh, we're going to keep talking about Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry, and we're going to talk a little bit about off the field. Um, look, Odell, we know the talent he is, and the, but the Browns got a full baptism of Odell Beckham off the field last year. There was shoes and visors and, and watches. And, uh, you know, I think Odell is, is a great interview when, when we talk to him in the group, but he'll always say something that, that makes headlines somewhere. Uh, Mary Kay, the Browns got the full the full Odell experience last year. Now, they didn't get the, the numbers necessarily. You know, of course, he was dealing with those injuries, uh, but they certainly got the full Odell experience. Yeah, and you know what? Once again, it is what you sign up for. When you trade for Odell Beckham Jr., you know what you're getting. I mean, you are getting a personality. Uh, as I mentioned before, he's a personality that in some ways is larger than life. He's got 4 million Twitter followers. He is a celebrity. You know, we see him at the, you know, at the Met Gala. We, you know, we see him at, you know, in Monte Carlo in the off season and, and Paris. And, you know, I mean, he's all over the place and uh, hanging out with celebrities and, and doing cool things. So when you bring him onto the football team, uh, you have to understand that it's going to come with it a whole set of circumstances that you need to be prepared for and, and, and ready to deal with. And in some cases, you know, just recognize it as part of part of the deal. It's part of the package uh, of Odell Beckham Jr. I personally enjoy it. I like it. It gives me something to write about. It gives us something to talk about. It's exciting. It's fun. He's not out, you know, getting in trouble. He's now, for the most part, butt slap <laughs> off season, but <laughs> a, little, a little butt slap of a cop. I mean, you know what, what but, um, but it's an assault most, charge. It's small. <laughs> yeah, it's small assault. Charge. But, I mean, for the most part, you know, he's, he's doing harmless things, you know, I mean, he's, he's wearing, you know, he's handing goat shoes to Tom Brady and he's, you know, he's wearing a watch in the game. He, he does like to have the spotlight. He just, he likes that, but you know, the world is made up of people that love the spotlight and those that don't, and it takes all kinds. Yeah, and let's not forget Jarvis, too. I mean, he's outspoken. You know, it was, it was, he was the one who, who talked to everybody uh, about, about getting the ball to Odell and, and, and expressed his opinions on the offense last year. So, you know, you get a little bit from both of them, maybe a little differently. Obviously, Jarvis isn't as uh, in the media spotlight as Odell is, but um, – yeah, I think, you know, coaches will say as long as it doesn't affect the team. And we heard Freddie Kitchen say that. He's not so concerned about what people say or what people do as long as it doesn't hurt the team. But I guess you you kind of – you have to determine, well, what does that really mean and how does Kevin Stefanski define that? Does he define hurting the team as, you know, every other player having to ask their questions about Odell and the things that, you know, he does every week? And um, Freddie Kitchens obviously didn't define it that way. So I – I would be surprised if we don't see the same Odell this year. I'm just really, I'm racking my brain to think of like, what else could he do that he didn't accomplish last year to create a story? It's just, I, I, I don't know. He pretty much covered a, a lot of ground last year. 
That's the fun into of, this offseason. of Odell and the Browns, though, is who knows what's going to happen next. I, I, Scott, I was going to ask you, do you have any idea how many Instagram followers? Mary Kay mentioned the Twitter followers. How many Instagram followers Odell has? Oh, geez. What was it, <laughs> 4 million for Twitter? 4 million let's, for Twitter. Well, I would guess around the same. I don't know. Mary Kay, do you have a guess? Oh, I don't. I never looked. 14.1 million Instagram followers. Wow. Wow. <laughs> That's amazing. We're gonna he also has a YouTube channel. Yeah. We're going to do a little uh, uh, research department live here um, as I look up. Okay. LeBron James does dwarf him. I was just curious. LeBron is at 64.6. I would assume that, that he would, but still 14 million Instagram followers. Yeah. That's a lot. No, I think... I think the thing that Kevin Stefanski and, and company are, are going to have to remember is they are dealing with a legitimate bona fide superstar. This is a guy that um, drives clicks, drives headlines, drives viewership. You know, every station, uh, he does something. ESPN's going to make it a topic all day the next day. And as a head coach, you've got to strike that balance between, you know, addressing it, but not making a big deal out of it. You also can't pretend it's not happening. And, and I feel like sometimes, I don't, I don't know if this is fair. Maybe I'm wrong on this. But I feel like sometimes Freddie Kitchens just wanted to take everything and say, well, we dealt with that internally. And, and sort of just like, like nothing ever happened. And, and that's just not how this world works anymore. It's, it's not that simple because people are talking about these things all day, every day, especially when it comes to Odell. And, you know, the thing that I have found with Odell is that um, what bothers him, what seems to bother him the most is being, uh, you know, called out for sort of meaningless things, you know, mm -hmm. shoes and what he's wearing and, you know, uniform things. And, you know, he doesn't like to be harassed for all the little things. So, you know, it's kind of like I, I have three children in the ages of 23, 21, and 19 right now. You learn to pick your battles, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you learn to pick your battles and you don't have to address every single little thing or you will just be butting heads uh, with these. I, somebody gave me good advice. Just don't make eye contact when they walk through the room. <laughs> and so that has served me well. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, for the most part, you know, I think with Odell, you kind of have to pick your battles with him. Like if I were Kevin Stefanski, I wouldn't ride him about every little thing i wouldn't address every little thing that you don't love because some of it is just gonna, it comes with the territory and you got to let some of it just roll off your back address the big things not the little things right but we're also talking about things that i guess in theory and and really in in reality did hurt the team you know he had to come off the field to change his visor he you know he he had uh, the shoes that he had to change i think him and jarvis both had shoes um yeah so clearly that was, you know, that was an issue that had to be dealt with during a game. Uh, the watch obviously was against, uh, there was a, a rule issue with that. So, you know, yeah, these are things that hurt the team. And, and a, a big picture, yeah, it's small. It's a visor, it's a pair of shoes, it's a watch. Um, it isn't going to keep the Browns out of the end zone. Um, but technically, you know, there are, th there are things that you're not supposed to do as much as you're not supposed to hold somebody. You're not supposed to illegally block somebody. You know, it's – so I – I found it curious when, when he did clap back at some of that to say that people were picking on him because, you know, you're, you're, you're breaking rules. So, yes, we're going to talk about it, and we're going to ask you about it, and we're going to ask your coach about it and your teammates about it. Yeah, you're right. I mean, you make great points. You make great points because uh, they are rule breakers. Um, but by the same token, you just – 
see him go into this downward spiral when he feels like people are picking on him for for nothing. So it, it'll be a, a balance for Kevin Stefanski to manage some of it. Yeah, and then, you know, he's trying to balance some of it too. So look, some of it's of his own doing, right? If you wear a wand, he, he knows these guys are smart enough. They, they know what's going to happen when, you know, there's a reason he's wearing Joker shoes, right? Uh, whether that was, you know, some sort of deal or something like there's a reason he was wearing those shoes there's a reason he was wearing a watch all of that stuff so so these guys also kind of know where this is all going to go they they know the world that they live in at the same time a lot of that stuff did kind of get blown out of proportion because it's Odell and and that's what happens as for Jarvis the the one thing that that I always kind of like to point out with him is anytime I've interviewed one of the Browns wide receivers and brought up Jarvis the, the thing that always stands out to me is this is a guy who really is like, it wasn't just a hard knock speech. This guy really is a tone setter in that room. And, and he really is a guy that a lot that those guys really seem to gravitate to. And he really does sort of set how that wide receiver room is going is to operate. You're right about that. Um, you guys noticed last year, Odell kind of hung back a little bit. I mean, he, you know, he didn't really uh, forcefully and vocally lead. He wasn't like, all over the place from a from a leadership standpoint. Now he did all kinds of things like giving these guys cleats and stuff like that. And he endeared himself to his teammates, but he wasn't like a super vocal leader in his first year. He left a lot of that up to Jarvis, which rightfully so, but I think we'll see him step it up more this year. Yeah, I did I did get, I definitely got the impression Odell was a good teammate. Guys mm-hmm. liked him and and he was he was brought up too a lot of times as a leader. Like, you know, people yeah. I mentioned that interview uh, that I did with um, Blake Jackson. I almost blanked on his name. That interview, <laughs> Blake Jackson. Uh, but you know, those little interviews, even if they never see the light of day, sometimes you you pick up on things and you find out Odell. It doesn't matter who you are, practice squad guy, you know, starter, whatever. He he's willing to work with guys and and teach them and and guide them along. So I I always got the impression that. You know, for all the stuff that, that we all got caught up in last year, it, he seemed like a pretty good teammate. Yeah, and if and if people are tiptoeing around Odell and not sure how to approach him, then somebody like you know Miles Garrett isn't going to poke fun at him on Twitter like he did the other day with the with the butt slap uh, tweet. So yeah, I think I think people in that locker room get along with him, and he does seem like he doesn't seem like he's unapproachable or he's on his island or anything like that at all. Okay, we're going to play the over-under game here before we go again. Uh, For both receivers, combined, both receivers, I'm going to try and come up with a tougher number. So we got to go above 2,000 yards. Let's say 22, 2,200 combined receiving yards for both of them. So that would be an average of 1,100 each. Mm. Over-under. This is a tough one. I'm going to go over. I'm going to go over, even though – this is going to be such a run-oriented offense. I'm still going to go over on that. I'm going to say under because both tight ends are going to get a lot of targets. Um, and also Kareem Hunt, he had 40-some targets through eight games, which he was, he was their third I leading think was, receiver in yards last yeah, year. Yeah. Um, I think knowing what we know about Kevin Stefanski's offense and, and how that the ball is going to go to other people, so I think I would get, I'd take the under on that. Yeah, I think I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna go with Scott on this one. I think I'm gonna take the under just because, you know, I could see a year where Jarvis maybe dips back down a little bit 
maybe he catches the ball a bunch still, like he always does. Uh, but maybe those that, that yardage total dips down a little bit, even if Odell's yardage total ticks up just because there are so many, you know, when you sit here and like to list those weapons, all those guys have to eat and all those guys want to eat. And, uh, you know, maybe that, that those huge, huge yardage numbers might not be there for those guys. But I think they're both going to have – I think we're going to come away from this year feeling really good about those two guys um, and thinking the Browns have some really difficult, difficult decisions to make about them. Yeah. Okay, that'll do it for uh, this edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Make sure you're subscribed everywhere and leave us good ratings and good reviews and make sure you sign up for Football Insider. For Mary Kay and Scott, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody.